Jeff Adobe with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I are joined by Matt Derrick, writer for Chiefs Digest. Matt, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Absolutely, Jeff. It's great to be able to talk to you guys. Well, go ahead, Joe. No, I was going to say thanks for being on, Matt. You know, love reading your stuff and and you know, the way you cover the Chiefs and all the positivity and it's it's fantastic. So thanks for for sharing your thoughts with with all of our podcast listeners. Absolutely. You know, I really like both of you guys. Uh, Joe, I've watched you as when I was growing up watching the Chiefs, so I watched you play many times. Yeah, I was very young, you know, when when those, when those were happening. So, you know, just, just don't want to make myself feel too old, Matt. So, well, you know, we're we're of the same era then. Yeah. So, I, I don't consider you old at all. You know, and uh, Matt, your, your work for Chiefs Digest, and I, I can attest, I was at the Super Bowl with you. Nobody was working harder than than Matt Derrick. He not only had uh, the Chiefs Digest gig, he was writing a couple books, just kind of burning the candle on both ends. So. Maybe give us, give listeners, uh, while you're covering the Super Bowl and doing so many cool things, maybe a couple behind the scenes or a cool story that you, you gleaned uh, during your coverage of that week. Oh, man, that was, absolute, that was an absolutely crazy week. Um, and, you know, and I know when you and I, I think, ran and kept running into each other on Friday, was there at the convention center. I walked 7.2 miles that day, which for a big guy like me, I thought I was going to die at the end of that day. I mean, that was just about the max of it. Um, but you know what? I mean, if you're a Chiefs fan, you, this team's going to make the Super Bowl again. I mean, let's just face it. They're mm -hmm. going to. Even if you don't have the money to plunk down $3,000 for a ticket, anything like that, just going to the Super Bowl site, I ran into so many Chiefs fans who were there. Um, who didn't have a ticket to the game, who were thus just there for the experience. Atmosphere. In the atmosphere. And there's so much going on that week. I mean, that's what really blew me away. I mean, it's just, it's not just the game itself. It's everything that goes along with it. And, you know, and, and frankly, I mean, by the time you get to Thursday, you're like, let's just play football. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, you know why yeah. we don't even need anything else. Let's just, let's just get to the game. I mean, but that's just how much is going on. And that's what, that's what stood out to me. I mean, yeah, just, you know, even beyond just running, talking to the players and the coaches, which you get so much access that week, which you just normally don't get. Uh, but it was really everything outside of that, things that I think the fans could experience. I mean, um, what the NFL does with the Super Bowl. I mean, some of it's nonsense. It absolutely is. I mean, um, the Monday Super Bowl opening night is an absolute clown show but you know the week is just an incredible experience and i and like i said i mean the game is almost an appetite you know a or derve at that point i mean yeah, there's so much yeah. else going on that you can you can partake in that even if you're just going there and you plan on watching the game at a bar somewhere um the atmosphere itself is just incredible i so i encourage chiefs fans when you get the chance because i think you're going to get a chance to do it again go to a super bowl sometime it's it's crazy yeah yeah, they really, they really is a crazy environment. And I've only actually been to one Super Bowl, Jeff and Matt. I, you know, we, we used to get a lot of people don't – maybe they do or don't know what the players' uh, sort of benefit is. But at least, you know, I'm going back obviously to the 90s. I don't know if things have changed. But what they, they used to give us, they would give us the access to buy two tickets at face value if mm -hmm. you were an active player. So that's why you see so many players there or some of them would, you know, they'd find a way to get the tickets to somebody mm -hmm. else or, 
you know, they'd find a way to make a few bucks on those tickets and sell them, uh, you know, to friends or whatever. But, um, you know, they, they, um, they gave us, you know, they gave us access as players to, to two tickets, which was really cool. And, and the only time I I've actually ever been to the Super Bowl was in 1995, uh, no, I'm sorry, 93, when, when we lost to Buffalo in the AFC Championship, because my wife and I had already booked a couple of hotel rooms, mm-hmm. one of them being non-refundable. So, because we had gotten some rooms for my brothers and Mm -hmm. and family and in-laws and different things like that, my parents, and we had gotten some rooms and uh, we decided to go use the the room that was not refundable. (laughs) So we decided to go down (laughs) to Atlanta to see. It was for a a player who had come so close at that point, because we were one game away. I got to be honest, as much as I love the atmosphere and the environment, it was depressing (laughs) to be honest. I just, I almost like, we almost didn't want to really be there that's probably why we never really went back because you know we just kind of like left a very strange uh taste you know just thinking about how close we were and, and being there and watching all the fun that those guys were having so uh sorry to throw the, interject that little aside but uh you know they do give the players really good access to getting to getting super Bowl. and then they've been over the years they've been great for um for former players, you know, they have, they have some lounges and things set up for former players don't have access to tickets, um, you know, easily, but um, you know, they definitely make all the other amenities for former players uh, pretty cool. So for, for at least from what I've seen in emails and, and invites that I've gotten over the years. Yeah. It's, it, you know, and what you're saying about you being there, Joe, it won the uh, uh, Super Bowls there in 93 because you get it at face value. You already had the hotel tell and what Matt was saying. It really, it's just like the football capital of the world. Not only yeah. you know, are the Chiefs and Niners there, how many guys, Matt, did you see? How many Hall of Fame, whether it's Emmett Smith or Derrick Henry or, you know, Alan Rob, you see Joe Montana, we talked about, yeah. just everybody. So for Fuchs, because as we all think that the Chiefs will be back at, at some point, for sure, just given Mahomes and Andy Reid, you know, it really is like a destination for, for Chiefs fans. Yeah, you can just be walking down the street <laughs> somewhere right. in Miami. You could have been walking to the convention center. And yeah, you're just you're just going to run into former players everywhere, and and not just you know players from around the league. I mean, the Chiefs too, because you know this year there were there were so many former Chiefs down there. Um, I had a chance to spend about ten minutes talking to Neil Smith for a little while. Good old friend of yours, Joe. Yeah, um, and I know, and a lot of the Chiefs Hall of Famers, obviously. Um, all, I think all but one. I think Lynn was the only one that wasn't there for that. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, for for a fan experience, just wandering around. I mean, you get to you get to see so much, and you absolutely will run into players all over the place. Matt, when did you? Because Joe and I have talked about this a little bit. When did you think? You know, I think before the season, everyone thought the Chiefs had a heck of a chance. Uh, at a Super Bowl, when kind of during the course of the season, did you think it might be their year, or did you not think it was their year? Kind of, what was your thought process like as you were uh, observing the team? You know, I mean, I I thought that you know, even with the changes on the defense, and I thought that it was going to be year two before the defense mm-hmm. really turned around, and and you really start to see some substantial gains. I mean, I thought there would be a better defense this year, and obviously the defense just had to be a little bit better mm-hmm. after last season. Um, for them to be a Super Bowl team. So, I mean, I I went into the season thinking this was going to be a Saints-Chiefs Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And sitting there in week four, I'm like, okay, you know, this team's 4-0, but they had some close calls. I mean, and, and they had some rough rough games in that stretch. 
and especially defensively. And, and, and the one in Detroit was, I think, really what was standing out to me. I'm like watching that. And, and I, I took, came out of that game thinking, okay, well, Detroit's a playoff team. Well, they weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the Chiefs defensively were just that, – that's where they were at that point. They were on the level of a team like Detroit. And, and I, I started to have some doubts there. And so then when they went into that stretch, um, losing three games at home, I didn't think they were I, – I thought, okay, you know what? Mahomes hurt. Defense is struggling. It's not going to happen this season. So I, I started crossing them off at six and four. I did not think they were going to get it done. I mean, I thought this okay, it's going to be in the playoffs, but there's no way this team's going to be able to get past Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And, you know, maybe somebody else will be able to, you know, sneak up behind them. I mean, you know, at one point it looked like good grief. I mean, are we going to see a, a wild card game at Arrowhead Stadium where Duck Hodges comes in and meets <laughs> Patrick Mahomes? I mean, that's where it almost felt like at that one yeah, point. So totally. Um, you know, it, it wasn't to me, it wasn't until they really got it going there at the end. I mean, you know, I would say by the end of the season, you know, the last couple of weeks, I thought, okay, this is a team with the way that this defense is playing now that you put the, the Super Bowls back into play. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where to me, I mean, I, I, and that's, and you know what, I think that's one reason that really helped this team in being able to get there because I think that they did have a lot of the pressure come off them late, late in the mid part of the season. Yeah. Um, because I think that playing 16 games, you know, with the pressure of Super Bowl aspirations on your shoulders is hard to do. And I think having some time where they were out of the spotlight, maybe not as much mm. pressure, I think it helped that team. Because mm. I'm not sure they ever gave up because they, they continued to talk Super Bowl even when they were in that losing stretch and when they were struggling. So I, don't, I know that team never gave up, but I, I, th- I think there was some benefit to this team to being able to, to sneak up maybe at the end of the season the way that they did. Hmm. Well, it does. It does speak to health too, right? When you when you think about and and Matt, I, I live in the Philadelphia area now, and obviously I grew up an Eagles fan, so you know, I'm constantly, you know, talking about the Eagles and and them being my sort of hometown team. Um, obviously, you know, a fan favorite next to the Chiefs for me. Uh, you know, that, that will, will, the Chiefs will always be my number one team, um, but. That's what I was. That's why I was afraid that the Chiefs were headed. Were down that was down that road. If you, if you kind of if anybody watched or followed the Eagles at all, right? Obviously, you know they caught a lot of press and and national. Uh, they were in the national spotlight when you know winning the Super Bowl and beating the Patriots and had that that off year in in eighteen. But I think there was a lot of people that were in the Philadelphia area that are Chiefs fans and Eagles fans that were thinking, hmm, I think the Chiefs are kind of going down the road of the Eagles this year. Um, the way because you know if you if you followed them at all you saw the amount of injuries that piled up on them and how just you know how just it just beat them down and you know yeah they made it to the playoffs they won the nfc east at you know nine and seven i think you're right that's that's what it kind of looked like it was going for and and that's i had that same fear that you did uh during that stretch is oh man you know how are they going to come out of this between the injuries and the run defense, you know, there was that one game against the Packers on Sunday night football. And this was actually showing me a little something that the run defense had been uh, really struggling, but they almost beat a very good Packers team that went to the NFC championship game. They didn't have Frank Clark. They didn't have Holmes. They didn't have Chris Jones. I think he was still out. Um, and they had they, the fact that they were kind of able to hang in there. Then once they got healthy, yeah, I mean, they, they were <laughs> a different team for sure. Yeah, and I, I and I think looking back at it in retrospect, I mean, I think that's the bit of the story, which is that once when this team was healthy, when it was full strength, it was absolutely one of the best teams in the league. And and 
So I, I, I even, I, you know, made this, you know, comment during Super Bowl week and why I, th- I, th- I thought the Chiefs were going to roll. I mean, I really did. I thought they were going to win the Super Bowl pretty handily and didn't quite become the, the runaway freight train that I thought it would. <laughs> but, you know, by the end of the score, it looked like, okay, well, maybe that was, you know, hey, double digit win here, uh, almost. But, um, you know, when this team was healthy, it wasn't a 12 and four team. I mean, I think that when this team was healthy, it was a 14 and two, mm-hmm. 15 and one type team. I mean, it was just that dominant when healthy. We just never really saw them that healthy. And I, I give this team credit. I mean, Brett Veach and, and Andy Reid and the coordinators, everybody credit because other than Mahomes, who, you know, just missed the, the two games with a dislocated kneecap, which is just crazy even right. thinking. Um, they didn't push anybody else. They let other guys get the time that they needed. They could have pushed Eric Fisher to come back faster than he did, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't have been playing full strength. Um, you know, they, they gave Tyreek Hill the time that he needed with the shoulder. They gave Frank Clark the time in the middle of the season, a couple of games off, days, games off finally. Um, now, maybe if they'd done that earlier, maybe they would have re- recovered some of the rewards with Clark being healthy. But I think that, the, you know, they took advantage of the fact that that middle part of the season, they had so many guys down of saying, you know what, let's not push anybody. Let's try and get healthy for the end of the season. Because mm-hmm. I think you're right. I mean, Joe, you know, you, you go into the playoffs and if you don't have those guys, this turns out completely different. Yeah. Well, I Even think Matt, one or two you, of those guys, I think, turns out completely different. Yeah, absolutely. I think the underlying tone and term that was in your comments there, which were, you know, very astute in, 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 the, the sort of observations that you made of how, how well they handled those injuries in that time, it's depth, right? Yeah. This team has depth. And I think whatever Andy and Brett Veach have done to manage depth, um, people are going to look at their recipe and their formula and try to replicate it. Because to me, right now, that is the biggest issue in the NFL mm-hmm. for most teams, and I always go back to when the you know first collective bargaining agreement after you know the Reggie White case, and they went to the salary cap, and they went to unrestricted free agency. That was the first thing that went was depth because it becomes pure math. You've got a certain amount of money that you have to spend, and you have a certain amount of money that you can spend. And if you've got to pay the Patrick Mahomes is when he hits this next contract and the Travis Kelsey's and all the players that are going to demand the kind of money and you want to keep them in town. What are you going to round your roster out with? You're going to round it out with younger players at the very league minimum. And you're going to lose the middle. I call them the middle-class players. You know, you're going to lose the five, six, eight year veteran who may not be a starter every day, but you know, if someone does fall down and he's got to go in, they don't miss a beat. And that, I think, is what's missing across the entire NFL. You've got your 22 highest-paid players, generally your starters, and then you've got the roster rounded out with anybody that you can find. Yeah. And I don't mean to get you know, I don't mean to to be coy about it, but it just, it to me, it's 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 actually I think hurt the league in some ways because of that problem with the depth. If you get a few injuries at a couple of key positions like the Eagles did this year, things can go south really, really fast. So people are going to be looking to that, that Veach Reed formula, right? It sounds like some kind of like <laughs> physics experiment um, that they're going to be looking at and saying, how did they do that? How did they manage through it? And I think you, you are really, really onto something right there. And Joe and Matt, what is really impressive too, with the, uh, we're talking about these injuries and Matt uh, wisely complimented Brett Veach. 
the Chief, he, Veach and the Chiefs did such a great job of finding guys off the scrap heap that were really – I mean, Matt Moore, he played great. <laughs> and they, you know, they had to turn to him when heading with um, – you know, some of the guys, Wisniewski, they found midseason. Mm-hmm. He ended up starting, like, you know, in, is one, one of their best interior linemen. Uh, Mike Pinnell, re- really short up the run. He did a great job of uh, finding people kind of off the scrap heap. Yeah, and, you know, and, and Pinnell's a really interesting one because I, you point to that and you say, you know what, that's a really, really astute move that the Chiefs made to bring him in and, and what he was able to do because this was a guy who – Hey, he signed with the Patriots during the offseason and it didn't click. You know, and if and if you're thinking to yourself, you know, hey, if a guy like Mike Pinnell's not going to be able to click with the Patriots, mm-hmm. you know, can he come into another playoff team and click there? And, you know, and so some sometimes these things are just pure luck because, mm-hmm. you know, Veach and his staff, I mean, this they identified Pinnell and said, you know what? Hey, he's been on the, he's been out for a couple of weeks here on the sidelines. You know, when we saw film of this guy. We liked, we liked what he did with the Jets. You know, let's bring him in. And, and they bring in Pinnell. And, you know, Brett Veach told me for the first week, they, thought, they didn't think it was going to work. You know, mm-hmm. that, that Pinnell was just, he was quiet. He wasn't saying anything. Just, you know, just seemed like another guy in the room. And then all of a sudden in week two, it clicked. I mean, he just all of a sudden started, was, he was a guy cracking jokes in the locker room. Hmm. Um, he was kind of just, you know, stirring the party. I mean, you know, and, hmm. and, we, and we saw it in the media in the locker room because he was the guy that was starting to run basketball games. I mean, hmm. he, he got everything John and going back and forth. And you would never have guessed that Mike Pinnell, of all people, is going to come in midseason hmm. and be a leader and provide a spark to that team. Sometimes, you know, you, you see things on film and you think you maybe you can get something out of it, but sometimes you just stumble into just incredible luck. And, you know, but you know what? Sometimes you make your own luck. And Chiefs did their homework. I mean, they found that there was a guy that they thought could fit in. They just had no idea how well he might fit in with, their, with what they were doing culturally. Speaking yeah. of uh, Pinnell, that, that's kind of a great segue here. A great little anecdote here. He's going to be a free agent this offseason. It's going to be interesting to see what the Chiefs do. Matt, I know you're at the, the Combine uh, this week. What are you kind of looking to cover, uh, maybe story angles or people you're looking to interview as, as the Chiefs kind of finally – the Combine is really kind of the start of the offseason, if you will. Yeah, you know, and we'll be hearing from from Andy Reid and Brett Veach. Um, they were going to meet with the media, and we'll hear a little bit about what their plans are going to be. I'm sure there will be continue some Super Bowl cleanup, but then also forward-looking to the draft and free agency and, and what their plans are. I'm not expecting either one of them to give us any grand plans about what they're going to do. I mean, um, they are pretty tight-lipped. I mean, we'll, we'll, hear, we'll, we'll certainly have a lot of Chris Jones talk this week. Um, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, that we will hear that, yeah, they want Chris Jones back clearly. Um, they're not going to negotiate. I mean, you know, now that I think we're hearing that the, the window for franchise designations might get pushed back a couple of days with all of the CBA talk. So um, maybe that gets pushed back a little bit, but um, I, 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 I would be surprised if we get a lot of answers from those guys, but I'm also looking to see, you know, who they're talking to some of the mm-hmm. players, you know, in this year's draft class and, you know, what positions they seem to be targeting. Um, I think there's some pretty obvious ones, you know, linebacker, cornerback, um, wide receiver, offensive line. I mean, I think those are some groups that where they have some, you know, obvious needs for depth and with maybe some guys are going to be losing the free agency. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to be curious, you know, to see, you know, what types of players and what positions that maybe that they're talking to some guys. Mm. What's your biggest fear this uh, off season, Matt? You know, you're very close to the team. You're there. What, um, 
what do you, what do you, what do you, you know, what are you scared of? You know, when you, when you think about this off season and the moves that could happen, you know, when you play out all the machinations with Patrick Mahomes having to resign and, and all the guys that are, that are free agents and what they're looking for in the draft. I mean, what are you, what are you thinking? I mean, I think the most immediate concern is, is probably, you know, if, if for some reason their solution for cornerback doesn't evolve mm-hmm. the way that they want to, mm-hmm. because remember, they really only have two guys signed for next year. Um, you've got Traveris Ward and, and, and Rashad Fenton. I mean, they've got a couple of guys, younger guys. Alex Brown was on the you know roster at the end of the season. Um, but you know, with mm-hmm. Mo Claiborne, with Rashad Breeland both being free agents, I'm not expecting either one of them to be back. Which means that you know Brad Veach is going to be having to look for some solutions. If he's not able to land the guys that he wants in free agency mm-hmm. and, and maybe get the player they're looking for in the draft. Um, that I think is the concern because, you know, that's a position that if you end up at plan B, plan C, and then you get injuries and now you're on plan D, that could really be the one thing that, you know, maybe torpedoes this team. Um, looking towards the long term, I mean, I, I don't think that the Chris Jones, you know, contract is going to be a big problem. I mean, I, I'm thinking, I think Chris Jones is going to be on this team one way mm-hmm. or the other in 2020 mm-hmm. um it's just a matter of whether they can get you know the long-term deals you know solved but then again i mean if 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 the chiefs get into a situation where they're looking at chris jones and they do not see a long-term solution we've seen before you know brad feach is not afraid to move on and mm-hmm. from a trade standpoint yeah i mean their best value with chris jones is right now it's not you know tagging him and then trying to trade him later I mean, their best value with him would be to make that decision now. I mean, so like I said, I still think he's going to be on this team in 2020, but that's, that's the one decision that if, if the negotiations just seem to be going nowhere and the Chiefs don't see Chris Jones being a member of this team two, three years down the road, that could accelerate their plan. Mm-hmm. What do you think uh, about Sammy Watkins? What do you think his future is? Do you think he'll be with the team next year? I mean, it, I think it really depends on a couple of the other pieces, but – you know, it's hard to see him playing at that salary cap number they've got him for, mm-hmm. you know, for next year, 21 million. So I, I think part of it is going to be, you know, the chiefs, if they think that they can fit him in some way, and then it's going to be, you know, Sammy Watkins, you know, saying, Hey, you know, maybe this is a place I want to be. Um, he said some, a lot of different things during the Super Bowl. I mean, he <laughs> said at one point, you know what, maybe I'm going to sit out 2020 if we win the Super Bowl. I don't know if that was a really serious comment, but he said it, so it's out there. Um, but he also just talked about, you know, what a you know a brilliant move it was for his career to come play for Andy Reid. And I could see him wanting to stay here. But then again, at the same time, you know, Sammy Watkins is never going to be more valuable. I mean, if he wants to go get money, if he wants to go get paid, this is the time to do it. So um, I, I don't think that Chiefs can bring him back that salary cap number, but if he does come back, I mean, it's more in his court, I think, than the Chiefs court. Yeah, that's always the worst fear, you know, after having such a successful season and, and the penultimate season, right, winning the Super Bowl. And, you know, guy, you know, guys get their ring, and now they may be going for the money. And to be honest, I mean, look, it's you, – you see, you, you know, you, both of you guys are so close to the game. You see how short – these careers are, and when players are trying to take advantage of, you know, that confluence of events, right? The their their stock is up. They're they have that championship DNA now. Jeff and I have been using that term a lot this year, right? You know, uh, with the pickup of Terrell Suggs and and going after you know free agents that have that sort of championship DNA, um, and that's something I think the Chiefs did a great job of. 
teams are going to be looking at them and they're going to, they're going to become even a more hot commodity, whether or not, whether or not they, they, you know, have the exact skill that somebody's looking for at their particular position. When you come with a Super Bowl win and, and you've been there, I'm telling you, that means something to teams and it means something to building chemistry and bringing those kind of players on that. That's my biggest fear, you know, for this team mm. is, is what is happening with, uh, you know, uh, the, all of the events around it, you know, besides their talent. It's also the fact that you come out of a season like this and guys feel like they can move on. Cause I think they players, players think they know how hard it is to repeat and they figure I got to go for the money now. Cause we may not repeat. And you know, I don't know if it's, it's worth it for them to, to stay and hang on for that. So it's, it's scary. It's scary to, to be the best. To, to see that, how they're, you're right, that their outlook, that's going to be one of the very interesting things to kind of observe for this uh, season. Matt, I know you're at the Combine for uh, Chiefs Digest, uh, but you, you've also, you, you have your hand in so many things. Tell us about, I know you've written a couple uh, Chiefs books. Um, I feel I've done a good share to pay some of your salary for that because I know uh, the Fedotans have bought several for Christmas <laughs> gifts and, and stocking stuffers. So uh, anyhow, if you could tell us about some of the cool work you've done uh, in addition to Chiefs Digest. Yeah, well, first of all, I appreciate that, Jeff. Thank you. I, I've, uh, <laughs> I might have to give you a kickback for all of that, so I appreciate it. Um, yeah, you know, ChiefsDigest.com is, is, is really the, the base of everything, but you're right. I, you, know, you can find me a lot of different places. Um, I also write for A10WHB um, in Kansas City, so you can find me at their website, and I'm on there uh, two or three times a week. Um, and then, yeah, the books, um, you know, last fall, um, had the great opportunity, the publisher called Triumph Books reached out to me um, about writing a book about Patrick Mahomes. And see, he was, you know, at this point, you know, a rising player. It was first year as a starter. And they knew there was, a, you know, a market out there and an audience out there who wanted to know more about him. So I um, had a great opportunity last fall to do the, that book with them. So Showtime, Patrick Mahomes, you can still find that everywhere and anywhere books are sold. Um, find it online. And, and then this year, um, when the Chiefs got the, made it to the Super Bowl, um, started working on another book. This was going to be a commemorative Super Bowl book. Um, and it is called At Last, the Unforgettable 2019 Chiefs Championship Season. Um, and, and that was, it was a whirlwind experience, you know, working on something like this. Um, you know, you can imagine the timeline because, you know, we want, you want to get that commemorative book out right after the game. So I started working on it right after the AFC Championship game. And my final deadline was 3 a.m. after the Super Bowl. So I was <laughs> on a shuttle bus outside the stadium writing the last chapter um, about, uh, about Patrick winning Super Bowl MVP, um, writing that on the bus, uh, getting it all done. And, and they did, the, the publisher did a fantastic job. You can find it at uh, triumphbooks.com slash chiefs win. And you can, you can order it there. It's available also, you know, anywhere books are sold. Um, they did a fantastic job putting together all the photography. I can't take, it, take credit for any of the graphics and the photos, which are probably the best part of the entire book. Um, so I hope everybody can check it out. And if they you know, enjoy it, I, I hope so. Because uh, it was definitely a labor of love. It was a lot of fun to put together. Um, you mentioned the Mahomes book, obviously. What's, what's your prediction? That's another off-season storyline. We, we all know that he's, he's not going any place. Don't worry, Chiefs fans. Right. But and what, what, how do you see the uh, – he's in the, the four years, still on his rookie deal. How do you see the extension? When, when do you see that happening? And, 
And how do you see that happening? Yeah, I mean, everybody that I've talked to really seems to think that, you know, the CBA getting done is going to be the stumbling point. I mean, mm. that's what's got to happen first. Um, it's not just merely a matter of, you know, there being more money available. It's also um, the teams want to know, if, you know, if there's anything in the in the deal that might allow them to have some, you know, machinations when it comes with the salary cap and any adjustments that might be going on there. Uh, anything that's about how the cap is going to increase that might affect how they structure the deal. So that's at this point, the, the real stumbling point. And that's why, you know, we heard during the Super Bowl, Clark Hunt say, you know what, I'm thinking 12 to 15 months is when the time, kind of time frame to get that deal done. Um, Brett Veach seemed a little bit more optimistic talking to him that, you know, maybe the timeline isn't going to be that long. And maybe that's, you know, on his part, just a little bit of a hopeful and optimistic thinking that maybe the collective bargaining agreement is going to get done. Um, but that's the first piece. Once the CBA is done, I, I think that you will probably see an extension from Mahomes pretty quickly. I mean, at that point, I, I think that both sides pretty much know what the numbers are going to be. You know, the years are going to be. Um, it's going to be a big number. If if it doesn't start with a two, I will be stunned. Um, but, you know, how many years it goes is maybe a bigger question. Um, but with the way that, the, you know, the way contracts are going up and the, and the, and the value of the quarterback. And, and, you know, this year's free agent market is going to be another test of that because you are seeing so many veteran quarterbacks in the free agent market that are going to reset, you know, what the, what the market value is for quarterbacks. And, you know, right now we're thinking 40 million a year is what the next step is. But you know what, with the CBA getting done and with this year's quarterback market, they might blow past 40 million in a hurry. I mean, 45 may not be far behind. Wow. That's amazing. Isn't it? Isn't it crazy? I was almost, I was almost like out of, you know, not that I usually have uh, Jeff knows trouble finding words. That was, I had a hard time just thinking about that. Right. When you, when you really think about what some of these deals are, are going down for and how it has just skyrocketed and, you know, that curve has just, you know, exploded as far as, um, you know, where these salaries are going for some of these big name players. It's amazing. And that's, I think it's getting even harder to manage for people like Brett Veach and Andy Reid, head coach, trying to put the best talent out there when, you know, when, you know, I'm no capologist, but, you know, when someone's taking up 40, $50 million of a, you know, I think, what, what are they guessing at the salary caps are these days, Matt? I mean, you know, I know they're, they're playing around with it now with the new CBA, but. Yeah, you know, it's it's going to be around 200 million for, right. for 2020. And, you know, in the expectation, I mean, the last few years it's been going up in kind of that eight to $12 million mm-hmm. kind of range, but going forward under the new CBA, it's probably going to be a little bit wider range. So you could be looking yeah. at, you know, another five to 8% increase per year. So, yeah. I mean, it's going to continue to go up. But, but at the same time, I don't know if the, if the cap that's itself is going up and keeping up with the pace of the salaries that are coming out. So, I, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm no capologist and I haven't really studied enough to understand what a contract like that, the impact it'll have on the cap if, if Patrick signs a, a, a $40 million quote a year deal, you know, because I know they can extend things out because of guarantees and, and all that stuff in the length of the contract. But even if, you know, let's call it $200 million and as the cap, and let's say even at best case scenario, it's 20 to 
$30 million, he's counting against the cap each year, depending on how long they can extend that out. You're talking about 10 to 15% of your cap is going to one player. Yeah. So good luck, you know, filling out the rest of your roster. You know, you, but, you, you know that, that's such a good point, Joe. And also that's the great thing about what the Chiefs did is they won when Mahomes is on his rookie contract. Yeah. That's so key. You've got to maximize that time. And they, they did that, you know, and, yeah. and they'll still be competitive, but that's what you got to do with, with the way the, the finances are structured now. Yeah. You just, it's hard to keep, like I said, to go back, not to beat this up again, but you know, it's really hard to keep those middle-class players that, mm-hmm. you know, because the minimum salaries for four and five-year pl- players jump so high now with the way that the, you know, CBA is structured that, you know, you almost price yourself out of a backup position. You know, when you become, if you're not a full-time starter by the time you're six, seven, eight years in, you know, those guys don't exist anymore. You know, I, I think back to my era, you know, the Greg Minuskis of the world, you know, who was great special teams guy, you know, one of my best friends. And, you know, he just, you know, you, those guys don't exist anymore. You can't afford them. You know, the, you can't afford those locker room guys. Here's another player I always think about, Steve Tasker for the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. You know, for the fans who can remember the damage he did against the Chiefs and, and most of the AFC as a backup or a special teams player, he wouldn't exist today mm-hmm. because he wasn't a full-time starter. And, you know, when you're paying the, quote, Patrick Mahomes is of the world $40 million a year, you just can't keep them around anymore. And you have to round your roster out with younger players. And, and it's, um, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, something that I think is we're going to – it's going to test Brett Beach's mettle to see if he can, you know, manage all of these big salaries now that, that the Chiefs have, have hit this uh, sort of pinnacle. And this yeah. is a big week for uh, Brett Veach. He, his medal, he's, he's proven himself for sure, but this is a big week for him. Combine week. Matt, we'll get you out on this. Any, it's so far away from the draft. Things are going to change. But any kind of predictions? You said how cornerback is a big need. Any kind of players you think might fit for the Chiefs at the end of the first or a position group or what, what do you have for us? You know, I mean, honestly, I mean, I think it's completely wide open at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, um, I, there's a lot of talk about how deep this wide receiver group is mm. and, and it is. Um, I, I think it's probably, I'll, I'll be surprised if as many receivers get selected as maybe some guys are saying out there. I mean, I'm good grief. I've been hearing maybe 35, 40 wide receivers going in the draft. I think that's probably a little crazy, mm. um, a little too much on the high end, but I mean, that is a, a position of a lot of depth, but um I, I think the bigger question to me is, you know, whether Veach stays at number 32. Mm. I mean, He's been willing to make that move, and you he could certainly move that pick for – it could be for another player. I mean, like he did with Frank Clark last year, he could move down in the second round if he sees some value and an opportunity to pick up more picks. Um, until I see Brett Veach stand pat in the draft, I will always assume that he won't. So, at this point, <laughs> the chances of the Chiefs drafting at number 32, I'm putting, I'm putting it 50-50. Wow, that, that's a safe bet. He, uh, Brett Veach is always aggressive. He's always mm-hmm. wheeling. He's always dealing. Matt, thank you so much for uh, joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Awesome to catch up with you. And uh, big fan. You know, can't wait to you know, uh, you know, see what you come up with for this off season. Because I know it's uh, always fun to sort of look back at the season, but also look forward to the next one. And good luck with the book sales. And uh, you know, you know, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much, and uh, I, I appreciate the invitation to join you. Absolutely. Well, if you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. 
can find us at believe.com and at believe podcast. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks. That's what our podcast. People are the worst brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming. And we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.